Hello, wonderful people of the internet. I hope you're doing well. I'm so happy you're here. Hello, my name is Soph. I use they, them, and he, him pronouns. I'm a non-binary queer lesbian, and you're listening to This Composed Mess, my podcast. Uh, this is a space where, transparently, just get to talk about life. Specifically, I just wanted to address a couple things. Number one, there wasn't a podcast episode last week. And the truth is, I hit a wall of not a mental breakdown, but I for sure mentally was feeling depleted. I had quite a lot of things going on in my home environment, in my work environment, on top of the fact it was my first semester finals for my master's program. So I was feeling really stretched thin, and I just recognized that the whole point of this podcast is to be transparent and share how I'm feeling and recognize that the stories that I wanted to tell would not have been as detailed. I would have probably cut them short. I would have been burnt out. And sometimes we just have to take a break. Like It's okay to take a pause. So that's why there was an episode last week. This podcast is not going anywhere. I sincerely appreciate every single one of you that listens. Uh, a little bit about me. I am Soph. I'm 23 years old. I identify as non-binary. I use they, them, and he, him pronouns. And I'm currently studying to be a mental health professional. So that's a little bit about me. And this podcast is all about talking about the messy lives that we live that we try so hard to be composed in, which is why we're going to dive into a topic that I want to share in honor of Mental Health Awareness Month being this month currently, kind of kick it off in the month. I know technically I did miss the first day of Mental Health Awareness Month. I apologize, though. We're getting there, okay? Right? And we talked about me taking a break for my mental health, which is a whole reason of why I want to talk about this subject. I have quite a lot to share on the topic, but I also want to be really respectful and give people a trigger warning that we are going to dive in topics of depression, anxiety, suicide, and eating disorders. And there, there's a lot of information that is important to my story and who I am and how I have became the person I am and been a really big mental health advocate. But there's a level of respect that I want to show to all of y'all to make sure that you are all comfortable hearing these things. This might not be the podcast episode for you, and that is okay. I have plenty others that you can listen to. You can take a break, and I will see you next week. Uh, This is going to be like a one-sided FaceTime call, and I recognize that there's a lot of information in this story, and I don't want to trigger anyone by any means, but I also don't want to give you no warning to the topics that are going to be talked about. I think they're important to talk about, and I think that our world does not talk about them enough and doesn't normalize them enough, but that doesn't mean that you have to sit through and listen to this, okay? I want to make sure that's clear. I want to make sure that all of y'all are comfortable in this environment and you know that you are in a safe space. You might be driving to work. You might be driving from work. You might be doing homework. You might just be chilling out on this Monday morning, or maybe it's a random day of the week. And I don't want to impact your week negatively. That's not what this podcast is about. And so this is going to be a lot of conversations on how I am the person I am now, which is really positive. But there was a lot of negative experiences and a lot of mental health recovery that had to happen in order to be the person I am now. So to honor Mental Health Awareness Month, we're going to talk about it. But if this isn't the podcast for you, there's no hard feelings. It's okay. You don't have to stick around. I will still love you and still adore you. And I will see you next week. But if you guys are interested in hanging out, let's get started, pals.
So mental health is one of those topics where I grew up in an environment with healthcare professionals that were very big on taking care of your body, uh, very enlightened parents, I would like to say, as wonderful and splendid as they are, right? They were very adamant on us discovering who we wanted to be as teenagers. And so for that reason, there's there was a high level of respect of like taking care of your mind also and like doing things that you enjoy, doing things that are cathartic. I never was yelled at as a younger child for quitting things because I always tried them. Like I played violin for a year. I played clarinet for a year. I did ballet for two years. I did, I did so many things that I quit, but my parents were like, this is bringing my child joy. So my kid's going to do it. And if they're not happy anymore, I'm not going to have that affect their mental health negatively and we're going to take a step back. And I, I really do appreciate that environment that I was in because it cultivated quite a lot of I could create my own boundaries and I was my own person. And mental health was something that was talked about in my household. I knew that family members were experiencing depression and I wasn't like completely naive, but I recognized that I was pretty sheltered. I didn't have a life experience that impacted my mental health in ways till high school. I don't want to say that those that are battling anxiety or living with depression have a big event that happened that causes symptoms. That's not true at all. But I do want to say that, like, I had a very normal, quote-unquote, lifestyle and normal upbringing. And we had our problems, but nothing was terrible. And so in high school, I was combated with the fact that Someone really close to me had passed away in my family, on top of the fact someone really close with me was murdered, and I experienced grief all at once, thrown together as a teenager, battling hormones, experiencing interests in people romantically while also trying to make friends in my freshman year of high school and trying to join different friend groups and trying to be involved in school. And the way that I coped with my grief and my anxiety was to just get involved in everything I possibly could. And so I didn't become an outcast in the way of not doing anything. I still did choir. I did theater. I did field hockey. I did water polo. I did swim team. I horseback rode. I had a boyfriend. I had friends. And I still went to high school dances. I was so involved that I just hit the wall of if I can push my feelings and emotions aside, nothing bad can happen to me. If I don't have to accept these emotions that are coming out right now and just complete push them away by being busy, I don't have to deal with them. Plot was pals, that's not a healthy coping mechanism, but that's what I did my freshman year of high school. And I got through most of my freshman year kind of unskeeved. I was for sure living with depression and I was seeing my high school guidance counselor who was Mr. Schwaller, an amazing human being, truly a saint and it was his last year at the high school and so they were trying to make sure he didn't have new students coming to see him because like they knew that he was going to be leaving that year but due to all my circumstances he took me in and I saw him every single day of my high school experience freshman year I literally went to the guidance counselor every single day because they could tell that I was just trying to push away my feelings and I think to them it was like, okay, if we continue calling Soph in the office, eventually we can combat the experiences that they're experiencing. No, absolutely not. I continued to repress those and the emotions that I was feeling and the anxiety and the depression and the loneliness because in my eyes I was so busy I couldn't possibly deal with all those emotions. 
And so I attached a lot of my grief onto my first boyfriend ever. And I made a lot of impulsive decisions based on the fact of like, I don't know how to grieve, but I'm dating the man I'm going to marry. So I'm just going to put all my grief onto him because we're life partners now and we're in all of my grief together, which is not a healthy relationship. And I'm very thankful that we didn't work out because I can only imagine like marrying my high school sweetheart would number one entail that I'm going to marry or marrying a man. No. Um, number two would mean that I was in, like, we were in a terrible manipulative relationship and just felt the need to stay together because of high school sweetheart status. So freshman year is a lot and I coped by pushing it all away. And then when I dive into that summer, I had broken up with my first freshman year boyfriend and right away I was like, okay, I need a new boyfriend because I don't know how to be alone. And a lot of like the depressive episode was showing up and the really bad crippling, like genuinely, I don't mean to say crippling anxiety, but really bad anxiety. And a, a lot of emotions were showing up and it was because I didn't have the boyfriend to hold on to and I wasn't as involved because I didn't have school and it was summertime that I found right away a new boyfriend and continued moving forward. And my symptoms were getting so bad that I decided at one point I couldn't handle all the emotions I was living with. It, I couldn't I couldn't handle it. It was time for me to make the decision that it, my life was not worth living anymore. And I had to give up everything because what was the point of continuing? And I made the decision to try to kill myself. That did not go according to plan. And due to the respect that I know teenagers listen to this, people that might have listened to my trigger warning but still are, like, apprehensive, I'm not going to go into details on that. No one needs details on that. That's something that's very personal to me and my family. Um, And a decision that I'm so happy did not go the way I thought it would. I'm still here today, and I get to tell the story. But my sophomore year, I had tried to do that, and I went to school the next day completely depleted and god bless the person i was dating at the time he was my second boyfriend ever and i had told him what i had tried to do and he went to the high school guidance counselor and told my guidance counselor like so tried to do this this and this and my guidance counselor's like excuse me and i got called down to the guidance counselor's office and i remember um them asking me a ton of questions and me admitting to like what i was going through and what I had decided to do and they asked like would I attempt any of this again and I was kind of like I don't know I might as well but it didn't work the first time so I don't know kind of like I was embarrassed that it didn't work out and they looked at me and they called my mom and my mom drove all the way from work to come get me which was like a 45 minute drive it wasn't ideal and they didn't give my mother all the information my mom just was told you have to come pick up your kid right away So I vividly remember getting my stuff from my locker with the guidance counselor, standing in the office and just watching my mom like walk from that door (laughs) of the school into my high school to come get me and just like the face of like fear and terror of like my child needs help and I want to provide it. Um, And my mom's the most amazing person ever. So she talked to the guidance counselor and the guidance counselor recommended like a hospital to go to to talk about treatment for probably inpatient therapy, right? And honestly, that's what I wanted. 
I wanted so badly because at the time as a teenager a psych like a psych ward was glamorized I was like oh my gosh it's like vacation I won't have school I'll be with a ton of people that understand what I'm going through that are my age like it might not be great but like I'll have people to talk to about what I'm feeling that is what I wanted and so I remember my mom picking me up that day and going to the hospital and like sitting in an evaluation room talking to this person for an hour and a half with a clipboard in hand with my mom next to me and just like trying to answer the questions the way I thought that I should in order to be admitted in the inpatient ward and I remember after that whole entire ordeal them looking at my mom and telling me your child's gonna be an outpatient and I was furious. That basically meant I couldn't go back to school. I had to go to an outpatient psych ward, which in summary means you show up from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and then you get picked up and you go home. And that concept destroyed me because I was like, so I'm missing school and I'm a high achieving student at the time. Like my grades never slipped. I like, right. I was so focused. The, the school year has started at this point. I'm sorry if I skipped that part of the story again, but I was so focused on school that I was like, well, if I, if I don't have a full excuse to go to school, like, what do you mean? And so I was in an outpatient psych ward for a week. And I remember the first day I showed up and my mom dropped me off at 9 in the morning, and I sat down, and it was just dead silent with, like, five people my age, and it was a, it was a joke of a program, and it breaks my heart to know that so many of these exist, um, that we sat down, and we talked, and we introduced ourselves, and then we watched The Pursuit of Happiness. No one talked about it. We could do homework at that point. And then we had a sack lunch, and then we had art therapy, which was great, don't get me wrong, but, like, it was art, it was art therapy, and I, at the point, at this point, I'm like, this is not what I thought it would be like, I can't believe I'm put in this situation, this is terrible, why do I want to be here, like, get me out of here, and I was, I was just miserable the entire time, and I remember looking at the people around me like, I shouldn't be here. Like, why am I here? This is stupid. Like, I don't have to be here. The whole first day I was there, I didn't talk to a psychiatrist. I didn't talk to a psychiatrist until the second day of my outpatient psych ward program. So right away, I'm like, I'm over it. Now the second day I start talking to the, the psychologist and it was a 10 minute conversation. I'm not exaggerating. It was a 10 minute conversation and there was no form of a treatment plan that was provided me on day three after that conversation. There was nothing. Just constant show up, watch a movie, have a sack lunch, grief group for an hour, and that was it. That was literally it. And I felt hopeless. And I <laughs> spent that entire week like trying to do homework and trying to keep my stuff together. And I can't believe I had a part, like, I literally had a boyfriend at the time that stuck with me throughout this entire situation and, like, knew what was going on and very sweetly, like, wasn't telling my friends or anything what was happening. They just, he just said I got sick and that was what happened. I just told people I was sick and I spent a whole week there. And at the end of the week, I begged and begged and begged and begged and I left because I just felt like it was a waste of my time. And that shows how stubborn and hard-headed I was as a teenager and how I didn't 
actually want help. I want the concept of help. I want the idea of help, but I didn't actually want to get better. And I reflect on that, just like shaking myself of like, nothing, nothing in my life I look back on, like, I wish I could have done this. I, I don't. I refuse to live life that way because then I'm not living a meaningful life because I'm going to hyperanalyze the past experiences thinking they deserved more meaning than they did. No, everything that I've done has had meaning in it, whether I like the meaning, whether I don't, right? That's something that's very important to me to say. But I do remember a lot of guilt and feeling like, how did I leave this? How dare I? What did I do wrong here? Um, Why did I not get help? I don't deserve to be here. There were so many negative automatic thoughts that I was experiencing that I was like, this is stupid, get me out. And I left and I spent a week there and then sophomore year continues. So I come back from this experience that really wasn't that positive and I'm grieving. It's been about a year since my, my really traumatic experiences in life and I just keep telling myself that it's going to get worse and worse and not better and better. And I'm really thankful of the teachers I had in high school that were, like, very aware and, like, let me leave whenever I needed to leave the classroom. And, like, were very – they were great mental health advocates, okay? And I just remember coming back my sophomore year feeling hopeless, but on top of that, not knowing, like, okay, what do I not do now, right? And I had the boyfriend, and I had school, and I had things to focus on, and I had quote-unquote therapy, Um, But I came back and I was like, okay, now what? And that is when this teen retreat in my high school called Operations S, is what we're going to call it, um, came into play. Where my therapist was basically like, you should go to Operation S. You're dealing with a lot of grief. I think it'd be really great for you. I was like, no, that sounds dumb. I don't want to go to a weekend retreat. Why would I want to go there? like it's really great like we talk about mental health strategies and like you get to build you get to be in small groups with like people from your high school that you probably haven't even met before because my high school had 800 people in my graduating class okay my high school was like 3,000 students it was crazy big I was like yeah I don't know about that I tried to have my boyfriend come with me and he wouldn't come so I was like okay guess I'll go and in summary that weekend It was a pivotal moment of, like, recognizing that I wasn't the only one experiencing what I had experienced, and I think I wanted so badly to have my life be, like, a 1990s rom-com that I was like, I am a Leo, and the world revolves around me, and no one else has experienced the amount of grief I have, and then I sat in a small group with 10 other people that were my age from my high school, just different grades, and hearing their stories of, like, well, crap. <laughs> I'm not the only one experiencing some really deep, heavy emotions right now. And that made me feel incredibly more comfortable. And at this point, I come back from the retreat and recognize like something, I have to do something. I just don't know what. I mentally am feeling so depleted and exhausted. And I'm continuously seeing my high school counselor. And the concept of medication comes up. And I. I think it's going to be a solution. And so I start taking um, depression medication. And the truth is, I was on it for six months and I stopped taking it. I decided to stop taking it. And the reason being is that I have a lot of other underlying health problems. So I was getting chronically sick from the medication. 
And so I hit that wall of like, I've been provided solutions and nothing seems to fix this situation easy and I can't get over my depression and I'm doing everything I possibly can. And I'm being told like, it'll get better, it'll get better, but it's not freaking better. Like different scenarios keep coming into my life and they're not great. And I keep trying my best and it's still not that great. So I want to just talk a little bit more of like the rest of high school because sophomore year was pivotal of like I went on this retreat I was shown I I honestly just got my world checked of like so if you aren't the only one in this world going through a lot at your age and I came back and I was like okay therapy medication I'm going to make sure I'm really active on my sports teams horseback riding have the boyfriend be involved make sure I have healthy friends and I just like so badly wanted to fit in and I, I I just couldn't. I was still battling this depression no matter how hard I tried to push it away. No matter what I did, it kept showing up. And throughout my junior and senior year, I lived with terrible anxiety. My anxiety was to the point that I had panic attacks in the bathroom every single morning like clockwork at 741. My teacher just let me leave at 7.41. It was math class my junior year, and it was math class my senior year with Mr. Chaplin and one other man. The fact that his name is Mr. Chaplin makes me laugh. Um, but my both my math teachers, at 7.41 to 7.50, every day they knew I got up and I went to the bathroom and had a panic attack. And I was just riddled with these emotions that would not go away. And because I had rejected depression medication, the concept of anxiety medication wasn't on the table. I, I, I wasn't ready for more medication to put into my body. And I also was just incredibly stressed about the concept of dying if I took these meds. There were a lot of what-if scenarios to this, okay? But the pivotal point of my mental health doing the absolute worst from the age of, I'd say, 15 to 20 was my senior year of high school and the reason being is the boyfriend I had held on to for two years and it wasn't us breaking up per se like losing him as a boyfriend but I had found my best friend the one person that knew I had gone to a psych ward the one person that I had confided in with all of these emotions and this pain and the person that took on all of my anxiety that I kept pushing away because I was like, if I just give it, if I just keep doing things and I just keep being busy and I just talk to people about it, it can never show up and completely manifest, which isn't true because I had literally tried to do, tried to take my own life my sophomore year of high school. Like we had already hit that point, but I was just living in this false narrative of it can't be bad if I'm busy, even though it was so bad. And we broke up and my worth, my whole entire earth crumbled. Like, words are hard. My whole entire worth world. (laughs) I'm not editing this out. Like, that's the point of this podcast. Uh, Okay, my whole entire world fell apart and it crumbled. There we go. I didn't know how to be alone. I kept trying to find boyfriends and they just never lasted because I was so anxious of the concept of being by myself, let alone battling my own internalized homophobia that I was not ready to come to terms with in high school. And that's okay. You don't have to. It, 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 it shows up when you don't want it to. And sometimes mentally, we just we can't take on that amount. And that's okay. And then 
I went to prom my senior year and I showed up to prom with my best friend and her boyfriend because I didn't have a date because I was told someone would ask me and they never did and I just waited around and never got asked. Yeah, it's actually a great story of me third wheeling with my best friend at the time and her boyfriend and then my best friend, ready, we're at prom, my best friend gets sick at prom. She leaves. So it is me and her boyfriend driving home with a chauffeur and this fancy car on the way back. And we weren't really friends. Honestly, we had a whole disagreement in high school choir about something really stupid. But the point is that I came home from prom that night and fell apart. I told myself that my entire high school experience was a joke, that I should do it over, that I was worthless, that I didn't deserve any of the things that happened to me, that I couldn't keep living this life. I also didn't mention that the, the biggest part of the story that put me over the edge is I showed up to prom and my first boyfriend, hi John, how you doing? My first boyfriend, John, his new girlfriend and I had the same prom dress. So yeah, that kind of pushed me over the edge at the time. So I came home and I just, I fell apart and I tried to get through the rest of high school for like the next two to three weeks. And that summer I just, I fell apart. I tried so hard to show the world that I was okay, to date men, to quote unquote appear pretty, to take care of myself. But most days I was, I was working a lot in the summer, but when I wasn't working, I was in bed watching TV. Like I could not mentally handle anything else. And I was spending so much money and like on stupid things because I just couldn't handle the concept of looking forward to the future and so I just kept spending things like I need this this and this because the concept of like saving money didn't seem valid because I didn't think I would like live long but the the reason I'm talking about this is because the concept of suicide and the concept of ending our life in our teen years has been glamorized by Hollywood I know that they are trying to tell a story about how negative suicide can be, how it can destroy other people around you's life. And I, I, the reason I'm saying this is because I, in high school, had like an entire club devoted to a student that was, um, that committed suicide. There was an entire club devoted to them, and it was like a nationally-led organization from someone in Colorado that had committed suicide, and it was like Friends of blank, right? And there's also a Friends of Rachel program. I'm not talking about that, okay? I just want to clarify. And the concept of like, oh my god, if I killed myself, there could be a whole club about me. Or like, I read 13 Reasons Why. The show wasn't out yet, but I was like, oh wow, like, if I took my own life, like, would people care more? And that's terrible, but I want to address it that, like, that is not true, okay? I care about you right here, right now. We are sitting here. I care about you so much. You've been listening to me talk. (laughs) Like, not a lot of people listen, and I care about you, and I'm here for you, and you are valued in this world, and you mean way more than so many things, like, the the joy that you bring me is better than a fresh cup of coffee. 
okay? And the fact that you have taken the time to listen to my story, I'm here to listen to yours. I want to I want to share that with all of y'all. Because I thought, okay, well, that's that. I'm done. I just, I made it through high school. I'm going to just try to keep going on. But, like, what's the point? Which isn't the mindset I should have had. And it's okay that I did because I'm here now. And I got proper tools and resources that I'm comfortable sharing now and talking about this. But I want to tell you all where I was at. And the environment that I was in of seeing mental health stereotypes be glamorized. I was seeing the concept of being schizophrenic be glamorized. I was seeing people passing away as a glamorized thing, people taking their own life as a glamorized thing, depression being glamorized, anxious people being glamorized. It was it was hard and I couldn't tell the difference and I was told by friends and by significant others that I was living in a fairy tale because I so badly like wanted someone to fix my depression and solve my anxiety through romance and that is not a healthy relationship my darlings okay want to clarify that if you are with someone right now who's telling you that they need you and that they can't possibly live without you and you think they mean it or if you are with someone right now that's telling you I love you I can't live my life without you okay? Or you're with someone that's telling you my mental health would fall apart without you. I would become so depressed I wouldn't be able to live. That's not a healthy relationship, my darlings, because I was that person. And God bless the people that dated me at this time. (laughs) Even if they were men, we'll be nice to them for a second here. So what what it came down to was college for me. College is where things started to get a little bit better. And the reason is that I had support systems that loved me for me that were open about mental health services. To go to colleges that were like, we have therapists that are available to you for free because you're a student. So nothing's really free, right? You're paying a ton of money in tuition. But to have that be an environment where like so many people that I knew were seeing therapists and were open to talk about it and like sharing my high school experiencing experience and have people like share their personal stories with me and like grow together meant the world to me and I was put into different grief groups at this time and got to bond with a lot of great interesting people that took a lot of care of me and that was right around the age of like 19 20 21 whereas like I'm living with depression I am living with generalized anxiety disorder. And although these are things that in a lot of therapy communities can be viewed as curable, I view them as part of my story, part of who I am, and how I get to continue going forward from it. It doesn't mean, right, like I now, as the person I am, I don't have these things anymore. But at the time, I viewed them as these are things that are going to be fixed, Like, this is, I have this many years and they're going to go away. And I didn't view them as, like, part of my story of, like, that part of the chapter in the book might end, but I can't put a timeline of when that's going to end. I have to work through myself completely first. And I started to become more of an advocate to myself of, like, oh, mental health matters. (laughs) Like, when I'm not 
thinking coherently when I am overwhelmed, when I am feeling depleted, when I am having people say negative things to me and taking them to heart, that also affects my body, right? Like our brain mentally is working with our body. And the concept of self-care and the concept of like mental health days from my professors that were speaking to me was finally being shared and that information like wasn't something I was around. And so to have professors be like, if you need a mental health day, send me an email and we can figure that out. To have professors say, if you need to go to a counseling session, the only time you can get is during my class, let's have an email and chat about it. That was like baffling to me. And this was like common throughout all three of my colleges I went to. Yes, I went to three. That's a whole nother story. And I just started to recognize of like self-care matters and that I took that time once a week to take a bath, to paint my nails, to listen to music and dance in my kitchen for an hour, right? Like I was very adamant about self-care. And when I graduated from college, that all got thrown out the window because I was kind of confused all throughout college at different schools. I had a lot of free time. Like I was like, isn't this supposed to be harder? And I, maybe that's just like the nerd overachiever I am, right? But like, I was like, college isn't really that hard. And so I graduated school and at the age of 22, I was like, oh, now I have to get the big kid job. And I stopped taking care of myself. I, at Disney World, didn't do anything for my self-care. My self-care days were spent, oh, I'm going to go to the parks. I'm going to go to the parks. That's my day off. I'll go to the park. That is a high-stress environment. Disney World is not a relaxing place, typically. People might find relaxation in, like, going on one ride and leaving, which I did here and there because I had the privilege of being able to go to the parks for free on most days unless we were blocked out. But I stopped doing mental health days. The days for my quote-unquote mental health were either going to a park with my friends where I was not alone or drinking in my apartment by myself. Not good things to take care of your mental health, but those are the things I decided to do. I also recognize, and I don't want to be insensitive, But I do recognize that my relationship with alcohol at that point at Disney was really unhealthy. That there were quite a lot of habits of me thinking, oh, a glass of wine a day is fine. When I started to recognize, like, that's eight to nine glasses of alcohol every week, right? And I started to recognize that self-care got thrown out the window. And I burned out. I left Disney in a, a month early than I should have because I was so burnt out and I wasn't taking care of myself and mental health was not a priority. And it just, it kept going and going and going just like it had in high school. If I'm busy, 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 I don't have to deal with the emotions that I'm feeling. I don't have to deal with the depressive symptoms. I don't have to deal with the panic and the anxiety, Right wrong. <laughs> um, I, I hit that wall and I came home and I decided that I was going to take some time. Nope. I didn't take any time. I came home and two weeks later I got a full-time job in corporate America where I was working. Honestly, if we think about the commute and the amount of hours spent in the weekends and stuff, I was working, I'd say 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. every day. 
on weekends, I was still kind of working. And I was working a corporate America job, which was a high-stress environment where metrics mattered. How much time you were on the phone, they kept track of. How many calls you make, they kept track of. How many resumes you submitted every day, they kept track of. And you were competing with each other. You literally had your name with everyone else in the company, and you were competing. And I said, I have to be the best. And I, I wasn't, by the way. Like, I'm, I'm well aware I was not. But I was so obsessed with the concept of being great and the concept of being fast and speedy that I pushed away all forms of mental health again. I pushed away self-care. I pushed away working out. I pushed away so much because I was like, I need to make the sacrifice right now to not take care of myself because I have to compete in work. And I will say that at the time, this is like one of the last boyfriends I had when I had this job. Um, Jared, you're a saint. <laughs> he literally like looked at me the first week of the job we were dating um, at the time and he had an apartment downtown and then he would stay in a hotel, etc. But he like sat me down one day and was like, are you happy? I was like, yeah, of course I am. And he's like, you're going to burn out real quick because I was constantly checking my email outside work. I was consistently doing this, this, and this. And he was like, you need to take time to put the phone down and like be by yourself. Like, do you want to take a bath by yourself? Do you want to do this? And I was like, no, 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 I have to keep going. Jared, you were correct. I did get burnt out. I will give you this one. Um, but I, I stopped caring. I stopped caring about me. And I think a lot of it was that I was dealing with so much oppressed parts of myself that I wasn't ready to come to terms with that once we got into the, you know, Corona, whatever, <clears throat> sorry, once we got into that part of living, I realized how much more time I had to take care of myself. And I realized, I realized a lot of things, but I recognized like, oh, you've been go, go, go because you have so many different parts of your emotion. You have trauma that you need to process. We have to go through all of that. And I, 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 I'm the person I am now. And that's where I got to the point of like, oh, Therapists also have a story. I really recognize that even throughout college, I thought I want to be a therapist, but I have too much of my own problems. I have too many past experiences to be a therapist. No, that's what makes me the person I am. That's what makes me capable of understanding clients differently than my peers that are standing next to me. And my peers' experiences are going to make it different for that client too in the best ways, right? And I hit that wall of realizing if I don't take care of myself, I'm not living a life I want to live. And that's where a lot of the pivot came in of if I'm not out and proud of my sexuality, a big part of myself, identity, I'm not going to be happy. I'm not taking care of myself in the way I deserve. I'm not living my life authentically. And what's the point? I don't want to go back to the high school self. I don't even want to go back to the college soap. I don't even want to go back to the soap I was with like a year ago, okay? The soap I was with a year ago was dating a boy that said Trump was um, an appropriate presidential selection. Anyway, besides the point. Um, and so I recognized like I have to take care of myself and I found the, found the new therapist and I started doing the work and I applied to the grad programs and I shared my story openly and I talked about my mental health journey and where I'm at 
and I started diving into my sexuality and found an amazing partner that I don't depend on. And people think I'm like wild for this. I have coworkers that literally are like, is your partner not jealous? Like, yeah, of course we're like, we get jealous. We love each other. But the truth of the matter is that like we are independent people and we are adults. And when I go through something, my partner experiences it. But I never once will put my mental health on my partner. And we're, we're aware. We're not perfect, okay? There have been times that I start venting and my partner's like, I, I can't handle it right now. Or they start venting and I listen to them and then I start crying and I like should have been my own advocate of like, I love you, but I, I can't listen right now. But the point is of like, I had to grow as my own person in order to put mental health at the forefront of what I do, which is what I try to do now of telling people, it's okay to be selfish. You are only given one body, okay? If you believe in reincarnation, I am so sorry, that might sound really insensitive, but like in my viewpoint, I am giving this body, okay? I don't know what happens next, but I am giving this body. You bet I'm going to customize it the way I want, and you bet I'm going to live in it the way I want, and the way that provides me joy. And that means taking care of my mind and taking care of my spirit. And I started recognizing that by pushing away my sexuality, I was not taking care of myself. It was affecting my mental health in so many different ways. By pushing away my gender identity, I was oppressing so much of the person that I wanted to become. And now I'm here, okay? And I'm not perfect by any means, okay? You heard me ramble and ramble and ramble, and you heard me stutter multiple times. Thank you glamorous speech impediment and also just way too much caffeine today. But I recognize that in light of mental health awareness, stories need to be shared that are transparent. My life has not been glamorous. When y'all hype me up on social media, it's very flattering. But sometimes I get really nervous. I see teens say like, you're the coolest person ever. I want to be just like you and I get older and part of me is like okay well I I've went through a very unique life that's made me who I am and I wouldn't wish a lot of what I've gone through on my worst enemy so I'm flattered (laughs) that you like me now and you appreciate me that means a lot but I also recognize that like I'm not perfect I'm really not and I'm not that great guys I have a lot of my own journey that I'm continuously doing, right? Like transparently, I am in a transition of making decisions on my body, of hormones or not, of how I want to identify, how I'm feeling emotionally, feeling really burnt out. I'm now living with chronic pain, okay? I have arthritis, I have carpal tunnel, I'm anemic. Mentally, I'm I'm great. Like I'm okay. I for sure have PTSD as a diagnosis. And that's something I've probably been living with for quite a bit of time, but my depressive emotions and my anxiety symptoms were so apparent that they were diagnosed as that versus PTSD, etc. And so I share all of this because I wasn't my own advocate until I turned 22. I just went by Okay, I let my friends advocate for me. I let my parents take care of me. I didn't want to say I want to take care of myself and get better until 22. I had other people telling me to go to therapy. I had my friends tell me to go. 
but I didn't hit that. Like, I want to get better and be the best version of myself since I was, till I was 22. And I think now a lot of teenagers are coming to terms with, like, I, I want to live the best life I can. I want to be the healthiest I can. And I think that mental health services are something that are, like, very openly talked about now. And, like, going to see a therapist is something that's, like, not as taboo. But this podcast episode to a lot of people might be like, oh, my God, why is Soph sharing all of this? Like, why are you saying all these things? Like, this is really personal. You're right. It is really personal. But if I don't talk about it and normalize it and have conversations, other people aren't going to talk about it either. Right? Like, there's a lot of things in the queer community that I had no idea about because it's not public knowledge, right? And, like, unless other queer people were advocates and stood up and, like, shared that information with me, I would be clueless. And so I hit this point of wanting to be transparent of what's going on now, recognizing that you will still get podcast episodes from me every week. Don't worry. But last week was that wall of, like, I have to formulate my thoughts in a new way. I have to be more transparent. And share what's going on. And with Mental Health Awareness Month, which is really just should be like mental health awareness, I got your back and I'm here and I care. And my personal DMs are always open. The podcast DMs are always open. I do care about what y'all think. I'm not going to lie. I do care. Okay. I say I don't. I do. There's for sure part of me that's like, eh, whatever. Like, bad reviews about a podcast that I don't edit. Yeah, okay, that's fair. But I do care about y'all, okay? Uh, Even if 20 people were listening, I would be making this podcast. Because that's 20 people listening to me talk for an hour, okay? But know you're valued. Know it's okay to ask for help. If you're not sure where to go, you can message me. There are plenty of platforms I do have I can share. I don't have them listed now, just out of respect to the fact for time and also just every single person's case is different, but I care about you. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to this journey that's ever-changing. I appreciate you all so much. My name is Soph. I am a non-binary, transgender, lesbian, using they, he pronouns, and I'm 23 years old, and you've been listening to this composed mess. I hope you have a great week, and I will see you next week. Thanks for listening, pals. Bye.